And uh, I want to tell you a story about a, a memoir in my life, uh, a time in my life where um, it, it really changed uh, a lot of who I was. And there was, a, there was an event, there was an incident that I'm going to walk you through a memory. And it's one of my memoirs. And this is when I was in middle school. And I'm going to call this, this memory, I'm going to call it The Vest, okay? There's this guy when I was in middle school. His name is Michael Magical, okay? Michael Magical was this stud of a guy in middle school. He had the hair, the look, the eyes. He was half Filipino and half Chinese, which is like, to me, was like, oh, you know, like, and he, he could dance. He could, um, he was everything. And I'm not going to, ladies, I'm not going to show you a picture of him because it's going to hinder you, okay? So I'm not going to do that. But he had everything that I wanted when I was in middle school, everything. And not only was he the most popular guy in middle school, but he also had the hottest girlfriend in her entire middle school. Her name was Mimi Sandovong, and she was like a foot taller than he was, but it didn't matter because he was hot. She was hot together. They were like hot lava, okay? It was like ridiculous, okay? So he had the girlfriend. He had the looks. He had this. And I was like, I'm never going to be like him ever but he had one thing that I could be like him. He had this vest. He had this, this, this black Jenko vest that I solely badly wanted. I said, if I get this vest, you know, maybe I can't be Michael Magical. I can't have a hot girlfriend. But you know what, though? I could at least be a part of him somehow, some way. I saw the vest in the mall on the window at uh, East Ridge Mall, and it was $40. $40 back in 1996 is some, some hunk of change. Saved the money. Told my dad, Dad, I want this vest. He says, okay, I'll get you the vest. The day comes. We go to the mall. I walk with him. He sees the vest. He laughs at me. Not only does he laugh, he says, I'm not getting you that vest. <laughs> I was so close to Michael, so close so I did what any sixth grader would do that time when your dad says no at the mall. I walked away and I cried. So no vest, no hot girlfriend, no Michael, and I'm here today with you, okay? But this, there's just something called, wonderful thing called eBay. And you know what? I found the vest. <laughs> this was the vest that I wanted so badly that I couldn't have. You know, and I haven't even put it on yet, okay? I came in the mail. Ichan said, what is that? <laughs> so do you mind if I put this vest on right now with you? Is that okay? All right, all right. It's been, it's been a long, long time. It's been a long, long time. Oh, man, I'm, I'm really nervous right now. It's a size large, which I probably would have worn when I was in middle school. Probably didn't matter, okay? So here you go. Oh, man, I feel like Michael right now. <laughs> Hold on. I, I got to go ahead and give you my middle school pose. You ready? You ready? Here you go. Is this, is this okay? I think I was on the left arm, right arm. Is this okay? Um, you know what? I, I'm married now. I don't need more hotness. I don't need any more of this stuff. Is, is, is anybody here looking for a black vest who's dying to have a black vest? If I'm not going to put you on the spot right now because you probably want your hotness to be down low. So... Um, all of our college students, if you see this vest at Cal, you, you know who's going to wear it, okay? But, um, oh, man, this vest is crazy. Um, so much memories of this vest. Man. 
Hey, we are finishing up our series in Galatians today after six weeks, and um, uh, we are calling uh, this series today called Slabs and Bricks, and we've talked about, um, you know, freedom in Christ, talked about um, what is the gospel, keeping in step, talked about even better and never giving up. And today, I'm going to invite you today in a conversation with me. I really enjoy conversations. Um, if you know me, I, I can't write worth nothing, I can't text, and Facebook is okay, but I really enjoy meeting up with you, rather it's your workplace, where you are, your school. Uh, conversations really build up an opportunity um, to build up relationships and to build trust. And so this morning, I just want to have a relationship with you, rather I know you from many, many, many moons, or this is your first time here at our church, um, I want to have a conversation with you. And, you know, I'm going to ask you a question. There's a, there's today, the word of the day today is uh, it's called the B word, and it's called burdens. And, you know, I want you to go ahead and think about what is the word burdens? What, what does it mean? Now, I'll be the first person to raise my hand and say, I have no idea what the word burdens means, right? And so all of us here are pretty educated. If not, you can always whip out your phone and look it up. But I'm going to give you two definitions of what word burdens mean. Now, the, the, the Webster Dictionary means that it's a heavy load, okay, uh, which is which is something heavy, okay? Now, a biblical standpoint term um, in the Old Testament in Hebrew, the word is masa, okay? And you translate into English, it's mass, something that's heavy. And then you go into the New Testament, which is Greek, uh, it's called fortin, which is the word portion, right? Which is also heavy. But the Bible clarifies that burdens are this, is that it is a troubling time in your life. It is a sin that you're going through. It is also something that you're battling, right? It's financially, emotionally, or physically. Now, in your bulletins, I have this wonderful thing called a sticky note that's inside your bulletins. I want you to open it, and I want you to write down, after hearing these two definitions, what does the term burdens mean to you? And I want you, either side of it, to write it down. What does the term burdens mean to you? So we heard the Webster Dictionary term. We also heard, definitely, um, the biblical term. Now, as you're writing, when I thought of the word burden, the first thing that came to my head was like, it just burns. It's just like hot, you know. But what is it for you? Having this more biblical term as well as the web stationary, what does the word term burdens mean to you? As you're finishing up, there's another term that we're going to go through right now. So when you're done, go ahead and look up so I know that you're ready. You know, the term burdens, when I was a teenager, man, it was a struggle. I think when I was a teenager, especially with the vest, all I really wanted to do was to uh, fit in. I wanted to be part of the group. I really wanted to um, stand out, but not stand to the point where I wasn't accepted. And to me, burdens was just really wanting to be with this group of people, a certain culture, a time, whatever it is, too. If you could relate to that, just smile and nod so I know that's you. That's you when you were in middle school or you feel that way, some of you. You know, there's also another part of burdens that I didn't realize much later on now that there was the side of my dad. He had burdens, too, as a parent. As an immigrant in this country, as a refugee, how to navigate this world 
a parenting and teenager in Eastside San Jose with four children and a wife who doesn't speak a lick of word of English, neither does he. I think there's parents here that can definitely relate to how you parent your children and wherever you're at. And that's you. Just smile and nod so I know that that's you too. There's plenty of people here for that. I'm going to give you another term for the word burden, and it's going to be the word slabs. Now, I have this object that's going to represent our burdens for today, and it is this wonderful giant slab of cement. And it's going to be right here so that you're going to see it. And the reason why I chose this giant slab of cement is because, one, it's heavy. And in the wrong hands with someone, it could probably do some damage. It's, uh, it's pretty thick. It's pretty big. You go to your local Lowell's, it's only $1.94 before tax. And um, this is what's going to represent burdens today. I'm, we're going to say the term slabs. Now, you see, I was so focused when I was in middle school that of my burdens of trying to fit in, trying to be a teenager, that I totally dismissed the burdens of my parents. Never once I thought about another person's burdens because I was so burned out by my own burdens. I was like, you know what, I'm going to do certain things in order, so I'm going to worry about myself first before anybody else. You see, burdens will come to you in this life, whether you like it or not. But what if I told you that if burdens are coming in your life, there's a different way that you could approach it. There's different ways that you could take a look at it. You see, God sees all burdens or slabs right, as serious in your life. He desires to take a look at these slabs in our lives. What do we do with it? What do you do with it? We're going to go into the Word this morning, and um, let's pray. Hey, Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this jingle vest. I thank you for the slabs. I thank you for people that are in this room uh, visiting us for the first time. I thank you for the families here that's been here, multi-generations that's invested into our church starting back in 1922. What a joy it is to come before you, to dive into your word, to be a community, to grow in you, to make disciples, to serve others, love each other, and to reach out. Oh, what an amazing call, Lord. Amen. We're going Galatians 6, 2 to 5, and this specific translation that we're going to be going through is called the Amp Bible. And uh, most of you probably don't even have an Amp Bible. I don't. Um, but I like the way that the verbiage that it used for our specific context of our text today. And we're going to read together. And if you don't have it, you have your iPhone or whatever phones. It's on there, your Bible app, or it's in your bulletin too. And let's read. Galatians 6, 2 to 5. Carry one another's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the requirements of the law. Of Christ. That is the law of Christian love. Verse 3. For if anyone thinks he is something special, when in fact he is nothing special except in his own eyes, he deceives himself. But each one must carefully scrutinize his own work, examine his actions, attitudes, and behavior, and then he can have the personal satisfaction and inner joy of doing something commendable without comparing himself to another. Verse 5, for every person will have to bear with patience with his own load of faults and shortcomings for which he is alone responsible. Now, we're going to go ahead and break this down 
And you're probably like, wow, like what did I, did I just read? Now, for some of you, again, we're going to be in a conversation right now, and so we're going to have a chat. And this portion of the time, I'm going to do a lot of talking, okay, a lot of talking. But before we get talking about what does the scripture say here specifically, you know, Galatians does something that is kind of insane, that I really enjoy, that it talks over and over again about the gospel, continuously over and over. You see, Paul was defending something that was very dear to him. It was his conversion to the gospel that made it so true that he desired to have this forth not just for himself, but for everyone. And in this specific context, he was talking to the Galatians about different issues they were facing. And when I think the word gospel, I'm thinking, what, is it, what, what does it do to you to, to have you turn from, from here to somewhere else? 180 degrees of just changing the way you are. You see, Paul changed the way he was and who he was because of the gospel. And the gospel has said this, is that the gospel is, look, it's, it's simple. It's, if you don't know the gospel, it's, simp- it's pretty simple. It's that God created you because he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to stop sinning because it separates from you to him. From there, Jesus took away your sins, died on the cross for you. And lastly, this is that we have the opportunity to repent from sin, to be forgiven, to be saved, to be justified, and have salvation. That's what the gospel is. And this is what Paul was bringing over and over again to the Galatians. How do you do that? And how do you get to that point? So let's go and break down. What does Galatians say? Verse 2 says this. says, carry one another's burdens. In this way you will fulfill the requirements of the law of Christ. That is the law of Christian love. Each text, there's a couple words I'm going to highlight that I'm going to want you to see in yellow. And these are the two words for this part that I want you to see in yellow. Okay? It's burdens and the law of Christ. Now, I'm going to give you the bang-bang idea for today. Okay? For the, not just for, the, for uh, verse number two, but for the entire verse we're talking about. Okay? And this is, this is what it is. Carry each other's slabs because of love. That's my bang-bang idea. Okay? That's my point. You can go home and go, like, what did you learn today? I learned about a bang-bang idea, okay? And this is what it was, okay? So this, was, this, this is your idea. And you're probably like, well, how? Why? Well, look. When you're not carrying someone's burdens, right, it's, it's because of love. That's the only reason why you want to carry this slab right here. This is a giant slab. I've only carried this slab for my wife, my children, and certain people, right? But there are certain people I probably wouldn't carry it for, right? Maybe, right? But with the gospel... Paul is saying, you should carry everyone's burdens, right, because of love. And it got me thinking. What, is, what are some burdens that you, you have right now? What are some burdens that you want to help others have right now? I don't know what it is. Is it success? Is it, is it time? Is it culture? Is it inexperience? Is it you looking for love? Is it, you know, school? Is it age? Is it sickness? There's a lot of burdens here, and we can have a long list of detail, right? But the burden I'm more concerned about is, is that what are the burdens that you are hiding and that you don't want no one to know and that becomes a secret and that you look fine and prim on the outside, but inside you're decaying and you're hurting and you want someone just to so badly to say, how are you doing, just to knock on your doors and send you a message. 
You see, because when you hide something, right, and you hide a burden, right, not only does it kill you from the inside and harm you from the inside, but on the outside it makes you even strive better to show that nothing is going on, that everything is fine. You know, we're not immune to burdens, right? They're going to be here. They're going to happen, right? So here's my question for you. On the other side, you stick your note and you post a note. What burdens do you have and what burdens are you hiding? And I want you to write that down. I'm not going to collect them. I'm not giving anybody else. But what is it? And if you want to be even more secretive of your burden, draw like a picture or numbers or a sign or an emoji. I don't know what you want to do, okay? So that you will only will know it, right? But what is it? What is a burden that you have that either you're caring for somebody else, that you're hiding that you don't know about? What is it? Why don't you write it down? Go ahead. Once you're done, once you look up. You know, you could tell a lot by a person by the way they put back their shopping carts. That's how I judge people at Target. You see, this shopping cart, right, is useful. You go in the store, you know, and you grab the top one, the bottom one. It's, it's, it's like it's all there, you know. And if you have children, there's a double-decker, you know, with two kids inside it, you know. My kids don't care for that. They just go in the middle. Addie now is clean on the side. Saying, Daddy, Daddy, go, go, you know, and like they're useful, right? But it's interesting that when you're done with your shopping carts, right, how do you put it back, people? I see all crazy ways that people put it back, right? They, 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 they leave it in the middle of the road. They prop it next to the curb, right? They, uh, you see people like I do, like I'm 34, I don't really care, but I'll like go whizzing down like the road, like hopping on my cart. Because I'm young forever, right? Why not, right? Um, but how do you put it back, right? Some of you, like, I make it a point to put it back at every single spot where it's designated to. And, you know, I don't put it back nicely. I just I kind of shove it. I kind of, I want to see how fast I can, like, whim it through the other side. And I'll have moms look at me and judge me. It's okay. It's totally fine. I'm my target. But how do you put back these shopping carts, right? Really, of my opinion, right, tells a lot about who you are. Because you know what shopping carts are able to do. You know how to put them back, where to put them back. But sometimes we as people, right, we don't put them back, right? And they're just kind of hanging out there. Are, are you guilty of being the people that don't put back the shopping carts the way that it needs to be? And, and I guarantee you, you'll give me an excuse, right? You're on, but I'm just, I have kids, I just, it's right there. It's, it's so far away. Like, I don't want to leave. I, I'm like, okay, sure. What else is there, right? Uh, well, you know what? Like, I, I, somebody else is going to use it. So it's stuck right there. So when I parked, they can just take it off, right? Okay. It's true. But why, don't, but why don't you think about that when it comes to people's burdens? If someone has a burden, if you have a burden, do you want someone to put that burden the way that you might put a shopping cart back? At a store? Think about that. Isn't that interesting? Just something as simple as putting back a shopping cart kind of tells a little bit about some of the habits that you do, who you are. And it's interesting. Look, 
I want you to start thinking about when you have burdens to put yourself in another person's shoes. That's the only way that you're going to start feeling something about them to have a better understanding of who they are. Maybe it's someone that you don't even know, a cousin, a friend, a classmate, a believer or non-believer. But once you start putting yourself in your shoes, you begin to feel a little bit more. I have this red X on my hand here because there's a movement going around called End It. Ending world slave trafficking. And what hit home to me is that I have two daughters. There are people that are even my daughter's age or even younger going through some kind of slave trafficking. Rather it's work, sex trade, a kidnapping. It just left me just trembling to know that it, if I could feel a, a person's burdens because I could put my sh- foot in their shoes, I begin to tremble a little bit, understanding of what it means to kind of care for them. It's for you, church. Is it going to take you to get in their f- shoes to feel a burden? You know, the church exists today for you to care for one another. I didn't say a home group or a college group or a fellowship or staff. I meant as an entire church. We're here to exist to care for one another. And when you, we are here to exist to care for one another, what are you doing to invest in the church here for each other? You know, I guarantee you is that if you develop an extraordinary way to detect a person's burdens, imagine what that would do for the church. Imagine that for the church that's inside here, but the global church and the people all around you to knowing that you're part of a church. That when you have this sense of how to carry with someone's burdens, you're like, whoa, that person's kind of different, kind of interesting. What are you doing? You know, because this, word and works are two different things. Words do nothing when there's no action. That when you put your faith and works in together, it develops grace. It shows grace. You see, your actions prove who you are in Christ. Your love has to be relentless. Because if your love is relentless, it's showing that you love Christ. What I'm telling from you is that if I expect this from all believers, this should be the same expectation for you, for other believers too. You see, your belief could be one thing of what you believe in. But your behavior, oh man, this is a total different thing. You could be a believer all you want, but who you are and behavior changes that. Works is never going to be the foundation of who you are in Christ. It's always going to be grace. So when you think about carrying each other's slabs, this, this giant slab right here, what are you going to, are you going to do it? Can you do it? Look, I get it. You're probably saying like how on, why on, a million different questions. I'm probably not going to answer it. But I know this is that when you're in the church and you develop key relationships with people, their burdens become your burdens so quickly because you just want to love them. You just want to care for them every single which way. Paul knew that for the Galatians. He knew that there was so much going on with them that he wanted to address it up points. So look, you got to carry each other's sins, temptations, trouble, drama, whatever it is. Because here's my, 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 my bang, bang point. Like, are you going to carry each other's slabs because of love? You know, 
this, 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 this thing that Paul calls the law of Christ is this, is that in James 2.8, he says this is called the royal law. The royal law is that if you are doing this, you're doing it right. It means that are you loving others? Are you loving others? Period. You know, um, I want to talk to you about a person that, that, that gave me a burden, which is my dad. For a big part of my life, my dad was always someone that um, I never respected. I didn't want to be, hated him. Was the kind of person that I would just, you're just a guy that happened to had me. That's it. But all these years to now being a father now, I see him a lot more different. Before I got married, we, we made up. I forgave him for a lot of things I did to my family. My family was broken from things that um, I, I, I don't want anyone to feel a burden from, from losing home, the life savings, to almost becoming homeless, to seeing physical violence and abuse. But I remember in fifth grade, before I became a teenager, I remember he worked at a restaurant. And it was called Yahang Lasan. And it was a place that even Oliver Stone uh, would come to. And it was in downtown San Jose. And it was a French Vietnamese cuisine. And my dad, he wasn't the waiter. He wasn't the busboy. He wasn't the shoe chef. He was the chef at this restaurant. And I remember when this magazine came out, this article came out, I was like, that's pretty cool, Dad. Like, you're an actual chef. Like, you actually work at a great restaurant. Like, but back then, all I cared about was I didn't care about the French food and, like, the snail and the escargot and the Vietnamese curry and all that stuff. What I cared about was I just wanted a chicken sandwich, okay? Dad, can you make me chicken sandwiches with French fries? We would visit him every day at the restaurant after school. Stayed from after school until nighttime, too. He left. I remember many times doing homework in the backseat of our 1986 LeBaron Turbo leather. Doing homework there waiting for my dad. And this is my dad. This is my dad, Nugai Trung. And it says this there. It says, Nugai Trung, owner, it's the best of two worlds. You see, my dad was a refugee. He came to the States. He fought for the South of Vietnam. Everything he learned to be a chef was all self-taught. And he had tons of French books in his closet. And I remember when he was starting to cook, he did a home catering business from a paper route from owning a hot dog stand in downtown San Jose. Before food trucks were crazy, he had a food truck, I remember. Hanging out with him in front of Bart in Fremont. And to be at a point where he has now to be a, a chef at a restaurant. Back then, I didn't care. I was like, whatever, Dad. You do you. I was so in my world of being a teenager and wanting to be like Michael and trying to get this thing right here. I could care less. But you know what, though? Now as a father... I understand his burdens. I understand his burdens of how he set me up to be where I am today, to be a father to my two daughters. And the burdens that fathers and parents carry is such a heavy weight of what they sacrificed and what they've done. It's true. This guy, this, this, my father, he did some crazy stuff against our family and to me. And I probably never ever forgave him. But the gospel kind of changes your heart a little bit, Right? Changes what you feel and what you do. Going from here to a 180 degree of something different. Now, I didn't know Jesus when I was in middle school. Definitely not with Michael. But in high school, I got to know Jesus. And this is where I forgave my dad. And I began to understand a lot more about him that I never knew. 
I never, never knew. Let's go on verse 3. It says, For anyone thinks that he is something special, when in fact he is nothing special except his own eyes, he deceives himself. Okay, so um, if your mom or your dad or your grandpa or grandma, your boyfriend or girlfriend, your boo, your DTR person right now in college or whatever, they tell you that you're special, you're not special. You're not special at all. I see someone crying right now in the back. You're not special. You're not special in this context of text, okay? So hold up, all right? Just listen. I'm going to back up. You can go home and tell your grandma, like in Taiwan, like, my past, somebody in my church said I'm not special, grandma. Am I special? Can you send me money? You know, I don't know, whatever, right? (laughs) But in this special context, right, what Paul was saying is, look, if you think that you're above someone else's burdens or you don't care about their burdens or that you are somehow so much more important than they are, you're not special. In this context. Now we're all special. I know you're special. Every single one of you here is special. And that's the reason why you use the word. But in this context, Paul is saying, look, you're not special if you see yourself above other people's burdens. And that if you can't even take a look around and notice that there's people around you, especially in this church or community that have burdens, you're so full of yourself. You're so full of yourself that you can't even allow God's Space of love to come in your heart to love. You know, when, when you're so selfish and so full of yourself, can you show, everyone show me a finger? The, the, the number one, the finger right here. This is, the, this is the U.S. of A, right, where everything has to be number one, right? Not number two or three, right? Number one. I remember this basketball player said, like, I don't want anything in my house besides number one trophies. Second, third place, eh, right? I'm like, dang, man, like, I'll take your third place trophy any day, you know? I was in a store. I saw a ribbon for sixth place. I was like, that's me right there. I'm going to buy a couple of these, okay? But with this one finger right here, right, can you, can you show the rest of your fingers in the hand right here? What can you do when you're not selfish no more and you use not just one finger but all your fingers and all ten fingers in your hands? Imagine how much burdens and things you could do to help other people because of your two hands right here. Not just one, but your two hands and your ten fingers. That shows how not special that you don't need to be by doing yourself. But you do it because you desire for others and see past yourself. It becomes really, really special. Now verse 3 it's going to go into verse 4. And verse 4 says this. this is, but each one of you must carefully scrutinize his own work, examining his actions and attitudes and behavior. And when he can have the personal satisfaction and the joy of doing something immeasurable without, without, okay, this blocking off right there, without, without comparing himself to one another. You know, um, there's a word that I'm not going to promote here, but it's, 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 it's the P word. It's basically pride. If you're going to use this word pride, hopefully you can use this word when you're pride in Christ because you have the gospel and you desire for that. Now, what Paul was talking about comparing is that you've you got to stop comparing yourself to others because all you're going to do is to feel really great about yourself, 
accomplished and acclaimed or really below them because you're like, I'm not studying enough or I'm not having this job. I'm not here at this house or this car or certain things, right? And you're never, you're never, you're never going to be satisfied, right? But if you're going to measure yourself, are you going to measure yourself to Christ? You know, we are living in a time where everything that you do is able to be posted, right? Instantly, right? A Twitter, an Instagram, a Snapchat, a text. And some of you, you're, you're, you live for the green bubbles on your iPhone, okay? Like you just live for it. Like you're just waiting and waiting for it, right? Because you're constantly trying to think, what can I do better or not and compare? But Paul's saying, look, if you're going to compare anybody, anything, compare them to me. Compare them to Christ. Compare yourself to yourself. Because if you, if you compare yourself to yourself, I guarantee you, you're going to check yourself and go, you know what, that wasn't a great comment that I just said about someone. Maybe I shouldn't have posted up, like, all those pictures of myself with my new car. Like, this is, uh, this is not good. Or most of you, right, what is it that you're comparing yourself to? The best way that I have heard about comparing yourself to is that open the New Testament, go through the Gospels, the four Gospels, and read everything that Jesus wrote and read. Because that's what he wants you to exemplify your life to be like. And I guarantee you, you can't do all things he doesn't read because that's the way that Christ wanted himself to live, which he knew was impossible. He knew it was impossible. But he said, look, if you're going to compare anything, compare it to me. You know, last weekend, uh, we took, um, this is the verse I want to focus on, is without comparing yourself himself to another. Last weekend, we took our amazing youth uh, to a retreat called Bigfoot with CFCC. It stands for Chinese uh, Fellowship. I don't know, that helped me out. I, I remember their name. But all I know is that they that's their church. We were hanging out with, with uh, Footprints, which is a youth group. And I know Pastor Dennis over there and Pastor Josh. And we had an amazing time. You see, at this retreat, all of our youth, middle school and high school, and our, our crew leaders, we were there because we wanted to reconcile and know about Jesus and know about each other. And here's, here's the crazy thing. All of us here are prim- primarily Asian American, except for Scott, in which he's basically Asian American himself. So I'm calling him that too. But we hung out with an amazing group of students that were Latino, African-American, Caucasian, a mixture of different races, different people, different social economic backgrounds, from parents that have OD'd on drugs and passed away, from people that live in a nice suburban gated community where maybe cars that they wouldn't come out to the area of Hayward. And we're together sharing about Christ, working together to know him. And what was crazy is that we were all on an equal playing field. No one's better than no one else. No one was less or nor of what they didn't know. I remember this. A youth said to me, on why, why are there people crying during this time of worship? And I was like, look, you'll get it. I promise you, you'll get it later. They're like, I don't get it. By the last day, a huge chunk of our youth we're engaging with other students. They didn't even know from other schools, from different backgrounds, social economic levels, all in the same playing field. No one was more or less than others. It was just an amazing time together that we didn't compare ourselves to anybody else besides Christ. What a joy that was this week, past weekend. We're going to close it with this. Verse 5, it says this. <clears throat> It says, for everyone, every person will have to bear 
for patients his own load of faults and shortcomings for which he alone is responsible. You know, so you're probably saying, like, is, is Paul, like, contradicting himself, saying that in the verse 2 that you need to carry each other's burdens, so now, now you have to carry your own load? Like, you have to bear your own load? There's something that Paul uses, and it's the, um, and it's the word load. And, and we're gonna, I'm going to use this word to show you that it's the, um, a, a brick. And a brick is definitely way different from a giant slab of concrete. This is a red clay brick. It's uh, 54 cents at Lowell's, and uh, it's, it's nice. This, too, could do some damage in the wrong hands. It's a lot more, a lot more small. I'm going to put it right here. You know, Paul is talking about what is a brick. Now, a brick is something that's small that you could carry. Uh, and what Paul really translates into is like, that's actually, it's actually, a, it's called a man bag, a, a man backpack or a small backpack, okay? So um, what else to, to show a, a backpack, a small backpack, then backpack from Dora. Um, I have this because if you have daughters, then you will watch Dora the Explorer. Um, I've seen Dora grow up from a little girl to now there's a teenage Dora show, which is kind of weird. But um, this is backpack. And backpack will give you a map because it wants to help you get back to wherever you're lost and the things you do with crocodiles. I don't know. Um, but it, it, this, is, this is a small little bag for you to carry your own burdens, um, which are, to Paul, he calls them loads, which is a brick and he calls you carry your own load. Now, what is a load, you're asking? Well, that's probably a good question. A load is something that you can carry because a burden is so heavy that you need help from somebody else to carry for you. That's what a burden is. A burden is something that's just really heavy that you desire for someone to carry for you. And if, like I said, if you're going to, we're going to develop an extraordinary way to monitor people's burdens, that's what a burden is. A load is, look, a load is something that you carry on your own. Like, no one's going to hold your hand and take you to go to your test or wake you up from, to go to work because you spent the night playing, I don't know, for goodness, on your iPhone, right? For some of you, is it coming not to service because you feel that so much stuff on your schedule that, that you have no place to be here? Or for some of you, you know, my, my faith is kind of like, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a belief of mine's. But, you know, it's, it's something that I really wanted to really do. You know, I can miss it. It's okay. Those are loads. You're all grown people here. Unless you're in a toddler room or some of the grade schools that you might need help. Then um, we can show you over there with Pastor Cheryl. And she does need help, by the way, too. If you're interested in helping our children's ministry, uh, let her know. Shameless plug. Um, but look, slab versus brick. You're probably saying, oh, well, well on, can, can I, like, what is a, a brick and, 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 and what is a slab? And, and can you just have a list and I could have a better understanding? I'm like, look, open your Bible. God's going to show you what a burden is and what a brick is. What is a slab and what is a brick? He's going to show you because, look, there's always going to be this tension. Like, what do you do? What do you do? What do we do in our community? What do we do in our home groups? What do we do in our college ministry? What do we do as young adults? What do we do as children and youth? Well, I, how, how do I how do I differ the two? Sometimes this brick is going to become a slab, and sometimes your giant slab is going to become a brick 
because the ways that you invest in people and the ways that you simply devote yourself to Christ. The ways that you take action on behalf, on his behalf. So look, I'm going to dare you. I'm going to dare you to carry each other's slabs because of love. This is my bang, bang point for the rest of the day. When you go home, I'm going to dare you to carry each other's slabs because you love. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call up a group of people today that they're going to come up and aid me as we kind of close um, our service today. And um, these, are, uh, these, are my, uh, these are the slab squad. And I'm going to call them up. And they're going to just come up. I'm going to have them come up right now. And um, these are people that I'm calling. Hey, you can come up right now. Just stand right here so they can see you. Some of you stand right here. Some of you stand over there. I kind of want people to see. There are people in our community, in our church, that has burdens. This is, this is no secret. They're not going to, like, lie about it. But, um, and I want our young adults, I want our college students to, to not just be up front here to share with you, but I want them to carry your burdens. You see, there are a lot of families here and people here that you kind of come and go and you don't know who they are. And our church is about caring for one another. If we're going to care for each other, then you've got to know each other's junk, each other's mess, each other's kind of like, man, I struggle with this. But did you know that there's people that have those stuff too, but they can also carry your burdens or your load or who you are? And they have a bunch of things that they kind of like put across their chest that they are kind of have a burden for. And they're not looking for you to pray for them or you to carry their burden. They're here because they want to identify with you out there. If you have this burden, they want to carry your burden. They want to pray for you. They want to have a conversation with you. They want to have a dialogue with you. And if you, if you don't come and see them for prayer in the back in the peer areas, and we'll call the praise team come here, which is we close in response time. If, if this is not for you or for your mother or for your friend or you're like, I know someone, which is really you, okay, just be honest. Just be honest. And, and if, if these are the things you identify with yourself as a burden, they're here to take on this burden for you. Because this is your application. Are you going to carry each other's slabs because of love? And everyone here has a burden. And you know, some, some of us are much more visible than others. And if you feel like that's you, come see us during response time in the back and the prayer area, which is made available every Sunday in the pew area. And these wonderful, amazing brothers and sisters in Christ in your church and your community are here to take your burdens for you. I dare you, I dare you to take and carry someone's burdens. I dare them, they're here. They're here for you. But more importantly, they're here for Christ because of the gospel. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this time that we come before you, Father, Lord, because we adore you and we love you. May you break down the walls that we have that are slabs, that are bricks that we see, that we compare, that we struggle with, that we have sometimes doubt of who you are because sometimes our burdens are so heavy that we don't know who to turn to. 
when we as a church follow, Lord, simply not just believe in you, but behave like you for each other, for our community in this time. You're an amazing God. May you do your wonders and how you only do it, Father. Amen.